official podcast of SoCo. This is a platform for our community of creators, indie workers, and entrepreneurs. On with the show. All right, everybody, welcome to the show, the communal SoCo, official SoCo podcast. I'll get it right one day. I'm here today with uh, Scott Paget, Dr. P. How's it going? Oh, man, living in the gap. <laughs> living in the gap. <laughs> uh, I, I, um, when did we meet, man? We met, holy crap, it was like 2012? 2012, somewhere I was going to say somewhere 11 or 12. Yep. And um, I was producing these events, these conferences here, and uh, the the lovely gals over at Flock and Rally said, you have got to hire Dr. P to do your music. <laughs> And then you showed up, and I was like, what in the hell? <laughs> what have we done? But it was some of the best. I don't even want to call you a DJ. That that just, like, it seems that it diminishes it. <laughs> Sorry, DJs. <laughs> but it was, I mean, it was some of the best selection, and it was like, it's just like, it, and it, we used you after that for everyone Every event, we carried your butt all up and down yeah. the East Coast for a while. Um, and it became one of those things where we, we became known for having cool tunes. Yeah. <laughs> and that was because of you. And I thank you. That was awesome. It um, was. It was pretty inexpensive. <laughs> and, it's, uh, and it was a joy to find somebody because when I started doing that, I, it was going to be, well, I'll do it, but the people I do it for are going to have to enjoy listening to what I want to listen to. Mm-hmm. And it, I, it was like I I found a home with you guys. Well, I, that's awesome, isn't it? I mean, it worked out because, like, um, yeah, it was just creative, creative choices. And I guess yeah. you kind of figured out, I mean, they're web designers, so we're yeah. all a bunch of weirdos to begin with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we we played, like, cartoons and stuff before yeah, right. before the show, and you, you just had stuff that fixed kind of went with it and it was awesome i remember the guys from uh facebook that came in that time and when they got through we played uh, <laughs> i want money lots and lots of money <laughs> and they just looked at this from the stage at the dj booth what like, the? <laughs> and they never came back no <laughs> we lost facebook that year <laughs> um that was that in, that was in florida it was yeah it was in florida in jacksonville florida good lord why in the hell did we do an event in Jacksonville, Florida? I know why. But. I, do too. I do too. We were trying. It was a hard. great theater, though. It was. Yeah, that was a cool theater. It was the first time I learned about. Um, uh, oh shit, what's the word I'm looking for? Because we don't have them here. Uh, what it meant to work with a union? Okay, because yeah. they were very, yeah. Yeah. they were yeah. very particular about like plugging things in, and, and you know, that guy had to plug stuff in. Lunch. <laughs> yeah. And then, but we're doing a show. Where do you guys go? <laughs> um, so let's back up, though. The, and, you know, I – so Debbie and Tracy at Flock and Rally were like, you know, yeah. give Scott a call. You know, you, you, he's cool. You know, you'll enjoy – it'll work out. You know, so I trusted them. Um, and then I got to know you and some of your, some of your past, mm-hmm. right? So – if you are a, I'm going to use the word millennial, and I'm sorry, I don't mean that in a bad sense, but if you're in that sort of that time frame of a human, you probably don't know about Rockefellers. <laughs> but I do. I was here, I mean, what years What years was that? 90. 
Yeah, 85 to like 94. Yeah, it was like 89 to 92. Okay. When I was in college here in um, at USC. And, you know, Rockefellers was like our standard, standard haunt. <laughs> it was. <laughs> uh, you know, Wednesday nights, Thursday nights. I mean, you guys booked like every night. But, every night. But you were known early on. Um, I would say you probably, I don't know, you correct me if I'm wrong, but you got known throughout the southeast, the east, for booking these bands. And we're talking big time. Like, not at the time. No. But, I mean, we're talking like like Green Day. Like, I saw right. Green Day there <laughs> yeah. at Rockefeller's, which is, um, it's a small place. Like, it's tiny. Yep. And Fire Marshal said 300. Bullshit. <laughs> there was more than 300 there. No, well, it should have been. I mean, we're talking some of the biggest bands that you can think of now. Um, you've been sending me uh, posts. I mean, Cowboy Mouth, Bad Brains, Hootie and the Blowfish started out with you guys. Played their first off-campus show. Yeah, uh, Green Day. Um, I mean, just, just keep Chili going. Peppers. Yeah, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Soundgarden. All of these guys. Um <laughs> Well, what the way that that kind of transpired was um, this was back when the, um, I guess, you know, mid-80s. And so um, grunge had just gotten started. And so I got a cold call, which you did back then. You just get a guy, a booking agent, just call you up. Just called you. Just call you up. Because he'd heard of a band that played there, yada yada. Like we had, this was because of Bonnie Wright. We had Bonnie Wright come in between gigs, and this right. was before she won the Grammy and got to be Bonnie Wright. Right. And the guy Cole calls me and he said, "It's he's from uh, FBI booking." And I was like, "Well, that's funny. IRS records, you know, is like who does the police and everything." And he's like, "Oh, I'm Stuart Copeland's brother." Oh, <laughs> hello. Hey, how's it going, man? And so after. <laughs> Chatting with him a while and getting through all the, you know, the sales talk. Um, these bands that open for big acts, like like if the Chili Peppers open for Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam's not going to play. He's going to play Charlotte and Atlanta, and they're going to take a couple of days off. Well, somebody like the opening act wants someplace else to play. Right, they want to make some money. Want to make some money. And so we got this deal to where the opening act for these guys, who weren't anybody at the time, would come into our place and play for one or two days, and then I would find them other places in around South Carolina mm-hmm. to play, and we'd be kind of the hub. And so they had the old post office down in Hilton Head. Right. You had the place up in Greenville, and, you know, even the Windjammer in Charleston, and we'd just get these bands booked all around while they were in it. it uh, it helped out the guys in New York so much that they just started sending stuff our way. They didn't have to send our way, and it just kind of went from there. Because they knew they could take care of people for, like, three or four shows. Right. Like, there you go. There you go. And you'd meet up with your main act in Atlanta in a couple of days. And so it worked out <laughs> Worked out for everybody. He's <laughs> just, just hanging out, like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's... Um, yeah, because cold calls back then were just a pain because some guy call you up and say, you know, give you the name of a band, and it's like, well, let me mail you a tape. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. This is <laughs> because there was no way look, to listen to it. Look, I'm old, but I'm not. I'm not. I predate the internet. Yeah, <laughs> some of right. us do, um, not by much, but just a bit. And yeah, and you, yeah, it was like, <laughs> how do I listen to them? I mean, what the hell would? Yeah, they would mail you a tape. 
Right, I got. I've, <laughs> I've still got the uh, demo tapes that are handwritten from widespread panic. Oh my God! And they're and they're signed by Philip Walden. If you remember who the guy that started Capricorn Records and discovered the Allman Brothers and Otis Redding, I got a little hand handwritten note from him about widespread panic. Wow! And it's you know widespread played there. To, right, to three hundred people and less the official amount we're speaking we're going with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so what did that what did that do to you at the time though? I mean, I know you you're not like you're not like a booking agent, right? What were you doing? I was working at Blue Cross, right? Your doctor as one of the medical people. Like that's the thing at these events, they're like, "This is Doctor P." I'm like, "Yeah, he's a doctor. Like he's a real he's a doctor. He's a medical doctor. <laughs> well, a doctor of pharmacy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's a that's another podcast as the, the, the my. My trip to the medical university, but um, <laughs> but the uh, I was working at Blue Cross because that was like my mo for for life. It okay. was like I would look for some place where I could make enough money to do music, and it, right. it kind of continued till this day. Right, you know, kind of like what I was doing for you guys. The way that got started with what I did, what I do um, as for. Five Points Productions, so to speak. Yeah, can't couldn't use the name Rockefellers because <laughs> well, there's 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 federal agents still around. Oh know. no! Oh yeah, <laughs> you know everybody's got to pay their taxes. <laughs> Call one eight hundred. Well, you know I need some relief. <laughs> <laughs> my wife and I would. My, you remember when Taps first opened up and they yeah. had the big yeah, it's right. an art place, right? And we we're walking past there one day, and I said, you know. There's the big windows and nothing in them. And I said, do you remember American Graffiti where Wolfman Jack was sitting in the window of the right. hardware store broadcasting his show? I said, yeah. well, I wonder if we could do that from here. Huh. And that's how I got started. Jay Matheson over at, uh, over at Jam Room right. loaned me a PA. Huh. And I sat up in the window. I sat up in the window. Who's, who's the dude in the window with the hat? And, and just playing music just for Main play, Street. Playing music for Main Street on like huh. first Thursdays or any other night they wanted to have it. Okay. And then after that is when I met up with the girls from Flock and Rally and right. kind of went from there. That's probably how, yeah. That's how they found you. Yep. That's that's fascinating. So what kind of what kind of things did you do between Rock? Because I'll come back to Rockefellers, but what did you do between Rockefellers and, and let's say that? Oh. The, um, did some, I'd always been doing some writing with the music and, um, back in the early, back in the mid seventies and people will recognize this name. There was some guys from Clemson. This was when alternative newspapers were big. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody had to have their own Rolling Stone iteration. Right. And the guys that did it in Columbia were from coming to law school or he graduated from law school. And one of them's name was Dick Arputlian and it was called Osceola. And I remember that magazine. Good. I've yeah. still got, I still got my copies for people huh. that are totally uninterested in it. <laughs> we don't read paper <laughs> magazines anymore. And uh, so later on that, I wrote for that, and that just kind of got to be a sideline that I like doing for anything that okay. art's based in Columbia that I did for that. And so then fast forward to Rockefellers and then the people that started Free Times, Amy Whitaker and and her bunch started right. free times there, and I was the first music writer at free times. And so you fast forward mm. to that, and you get through the the Blue Cross days, and I just kept doing that kind of thing because I had to keep my hand in the music. And then the mid nineties yeah. hit, and 
I can tell you the mid-90s are such a treasure trove for me nowadays because I remember nothing except George Bush throwing up on the uh, Japanese <laughs> prime minister from the 90s. George Bush <laughs> Sr., in case you're wondering. Yeah, that, yes. thank you. And uh, <laughs> Herbert Walker. And so, <laughs> yeah. and so um, I was just all the time discovering these great bands from the 90s. I was like, I'll just be listening to something on like my wife's serious F. XM and I was yeah. just like, man, that's a great band. And I look, and of course, it's from 1997, yeah. and I don't even remember it because of whatever was sapping my memory back then. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. So um, let's let's just reminisce a little bit. I mean, what what are some of the best? Let's start with the best. What are some of the best shows you remember? I mean, because I know you were there. Yeah. I mean, you can't like. Do all that and not check them out. Yep, yep. <laughs> you know, and um, can't not go. I still, being the the generation we are, we had the birds, and that was mm-hmm. like you know that was like for some reason Jesus had decided to come down and play our little place that night, right? And uh, I will never forget moment to moment that night. The night that the Chili Peppers played there was one that. I'm sure there's a hundred thousand people that say they were there. Yeah, yeah, because it was just so off the chain. Right. I still remember our boy Flea going around to anybody with long hair saying, "You got any drugs?" And <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. And um, gosh, the local shows were always so much fun. The um, Steve Gibson, my partner, really. Um, helped the local music scene because okay. he, he would like bring in the local bands called seven nights a week. It's impossible. It's just impossible to try and put wow. music in there seven nights a week. And so, so you guys book seven nights a week. I mean, I'm looking at the old calendar from, uh, what, what year was this? Gosh, I'm thinking uh, you didn't put nine, the year on that's it. That's probably not. <laughs> yeah. Like who knows? Yeah. My, David Collier from, uh, told me he thinks it's 1990, which would have been in the, when Art Burke was there too, range. It, yeah, it probably is. You've got Root Doctors, Jupiter Coyote, is Lady Isabel. I mean, I'm sure Blight of Bodies in there someplace. <laughs> yeah, Uncle Mingo. Holy man. Yeah, um, some interesting. And so Steve would get was since he was running the bar, he was there during the day when the local bands would come by and want to play and want to play, and it was seven nights a week. You know, it's like please. Come on in and play. They play. Right. They play for the door, and we keep the bar because it, you know. And so, what eventually the model for the whole thing was: we'd book the bigger shows, and then we'd farm out. Like Eddie Blakely was a guy here in town. He'd bring in shows like the Hoodoo Gurus. I still, gotcha. still gotcha. remember them coming in just because of the drama that went around it, and then <laughs> um, local um, band drama, and then Art Burke came over he was working at wsc and he came in with the next wave and he started booking bands and it got a little heavier in there and i think one of the reasons that so many people remember rockefellers is because we had so many different types of music yeah i mean we'd had yeah we have roseanne cash johnny cash's daughter or june carter's daughter we'd have her there one night and then of course you know we'd have uncle mingo there the right. next night and then the chili peppers one night. Yeah, like, whoa. It's like, yeah. yeah. And so 
and the other great thing about it was because I run into people who are still in their late thirties who's like, yeah, y'all used to let me in when I was 14. <laughs> it's like, well, good for us. Yeah. Well, good. For, yeah. So, um, we, I went out on this, uh, w- went out on one of my, uh, uh, research and development trips. To, mm-hmm. Yeah. And came back and they started having raves in other cities. And so, right. Steve decided we we're going to have raves there, and we just opened the place up at whatever, you know, at two o'clock Saturday morning or whatever, and served nothing but juices and drinks and stuff. And then the kids would come in and listen to whatever they wanted to. And so, you know, we'd get kids, huh. and they'd come in with their pacifiers, <laughs> which was strange at first. And then I, I found out what that was about, right? And, uh, Listen to music till daylight, basically. Mm. And it was like, so that, I think, is one reason that people remember it so long. Because we may have started in 85, but shoot, you know, when you're letting in 14-year-old right, boys. Right, it continues. Yeah. They're just now turning 40. Yeah. And so that's been kind of cool is to run into somebody with their, some woman with her husband at the Little League field. And she says, I know you. And I said, I don't, <laughs> no, know, if you, I don't, I don't know if you want to say anything in front of him. Do you want to go back there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we want to yeah. reminisce that much. That's funny. Um, awesome. So what are some of the worst? I know you got a couple of crazy stories. What's some of the oh, worst stories? God. What's some of the craziest bullshit you had to deal with? Oh, gosh, and they're still around. I, oh, we had a band. Well, they're not listening to this show, so. <laughs> it, was a, it was a band from Charleston who had a record contract. Oh. And their name starts with swimming. And um, mm. they wouldn't get out of their RV. It's like, okay, it's like 9 o'clock and the place is full and they won't get out of the RV because such and such is in their contract. What? And it's like, do you, guys, <laughs> do, have they not looked in the mirror like <laughs> Do y'all not know who you are? I, I understand that you've got an album. Yeah, but. Uh, but, uh, you know. Yeah. Well. You know, we're going to have to have this and this and this before we come out. And so I'm already at, I could be at home. Yeah. Steve would call up and say, Scotty, you got to get down here. And it's like, oh my God. Yeah. And like, you realize we do this seven nights a week, I know. you bastards. <laughs> and the, what the funny thing was is when we had the reunion back in 11, I think, they were one of the bands that came up and played for us oh, down like, below the old uh, tin roof. Mm hmm. But. It was usually those kind of things. Another thing, another time, um, I think it was, uh, trying to think of who the band was. But anyway, it'd be like a minute after 2 o'clock on Friday night or a minute after midnight on Saturday, I think was what it was back then. See, when we started drinking age was 18. Right. And then Ronald Reagan decided they were going to bump it up a year every year after that. And it was August 1st. And so if you were born on, like, August 2nd, you were just screwed. Could you imagine, like, think about people that were born, like, every year. You're like, ah, oh, ah, oh. Like, it just just keeps running away from you. Oh, yeah, we had one guy in there who actually had that. And he would come in every year, and we'd let him drink free. Yeah, just come on, man. Drink free (laughs) on his birthday. And Come so on, it's the every, third. You got the first. <laughs> every, right. every year they'd raise the drinking age a year until yeah. it got to be um, 21. <laughs> and so, and that changed the whole schematic of the right. thing because all of a sudden 
you're you don't know which acts to book because you're right. Everybody just jumped forward four or five yeah, years. You're, you're, yeah, your your basic crowd from USC just got older, right? So to speak, right? But you know the the ID business was a lot better back then if you were on the selling end of IDs mm-hmm. because of the technology. But yep. anyway, yeah, we didn't have the magnetic strips and the no QR, no QR codes all and that stuff. stuff. On. And so, uh, yeah, that was another thing that we had to to fight with. And so. Uh, the story at closing time, the band's up there. The band's just finishing up their last song, and uh, we're we're all starting to, you know, there's only thing left to drink in Sambuca. That's how you knew it was the weekend, and it was closing time because <laughs> so you drank the everything. only thing left in the bar was this Sambuca crap. That, <laughs> you know, it's like you think Jägermeister's bad. <laughs> this was like Robitussin and Jägermeister. Right, right. And so – um, we're sitting in there drinking the sambuca, <laughs> and the damn uh, ABC people agents come in. What I know, ABC comes in. They're going to check everything, and it turns out, and I didn't know this, even though the liquor license was in my name. Yeah, I didn't know you couldn't drink in your own bar after hours. What <laughs> I know, and so here we are. Even if you're closed, even if you're closed, even if you I got the understand. chain on the door. What, what is the what is the Logical reasoning behind I it. I don't know. Huh. They came in, and I had to go to a hearing the next week, Holy and it was shit. just a damn nightmare. And I'll never forget that up there going, because the band was up there just cursing the ABC agents because, you know, they couldn't finish their set. Right, they couldn't finish their set for the six relatives that were left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, I'll... Somebody better call the lawyer because there's going to be trouble here with yeah. this bunch. Oh, boy. And, you know, just ABC agents. And the the, the funny thing was at the time that um, I had a uh, pharmacy permit in my name mm-hmm. from the other business. Right. And I had a liquor license in my name. And then after all this went down, it got to, they actually passed a, a rule to where you couldn't have a pharmacy permit and a liquor license at the same time. And I was like, I've... I call it the pageant rule now. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so you had to choose, right? Yeah. Or was it? Did they give you a choice? Was it? Was it a oh, position where you were like one, one or the at other? At the time, it was okay to do it. Okay. They just, you know, they grandfathered us in. Okay. But they just thought it was a bad idea after that, and it probably was. It might be. There's, there's, there's a, there's a reason I don't remember Britpop, um, you know, Oasis. Who were they? Yeah, yeah, we didn't. Yeah, it was like two thousands, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess if you're, you can sell booze and some mm-hmm. over the counter stuff, that's probably a bad idea. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting business model. Well, you know, back in the old days, pharmacists used to have to try everything they dispensed. And this is like what? back in the twenties and teens. How do you d- how do you do that? I know, right? You, and so, what? And so <laughs> what? wait a minute. They just <laughs> you had to try everything you dispensed. Yeah, I used that as a defense for a while, but and what? it didn't seem to work. <laughs> but, but what about like heart medication? I know, like, like but my heart's fine. Yeah, you got to try yeah, it. You got to try for it. real. Yeah, I don't know when that stopped, but. I remember it was on the books. Probably when they killed a few joke. people. Oh, well, you know, it's just pharmacists. Yeah, here's some <laughs> some radiation. I guess you don't you don't give out radiation, but that's crazy. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and it hadn't been, you know, when you look at it, it's only 100 years ago. Hmm. 
Well, <laughs> relatively. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe. Wow. All right, so you've you've dropped it a couple times. Um, to you, it seems like you had some issues. Yes, sir. With. I had issues. It was, uh, you know, I was one of those kids who, um, growing up, just always felt like you're going to find out who I really am. Or uh, okay. al- always felt lesser than. Okay. And my mother was the principal of the elementary school, and so I could never take credit for anything. You know, everything in my mind was because she set it up. Because she set it up, and then I couldn't do anything bad, or she wouldn't love me and take care of me. And so, you grow up with that on your the whole time. And uh, gosh, the the way I could make that voice in my head stop was through music, mm. and it just always was the uh, panacea for those kind of problems. And then, um, gosh, when I got into college, you know, made that big decision to go to the University of South Carolina and uh, the way most people do because it was like in the top five party schools in Playboy. It was then, yeah. It it was. It's not in the top 50 now. That's sad. It's surprising. I'm sad. Yeah. Gosh, we got to get that new president in here (laughs) and get started. Maybe I'm wrong. I think it's it's in the top 50, but it's like, Outside of forty, but whatever. So yeah, you make the you make the one of the biggest decisions you're going to mm-hmm. make in your entire life over a list in Playboy. Yeah, and then you make the other decision of what you're going to major in by looking in um, Reader's Digest to see who gets paid the most when they get For fresh real? out of school. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind of awesome. And so right there was like medicine and pharmacy right. and everything right. else. You know, I talked to somebody else recently that. They did that. They they went, um, not pharmacy, but mm-hmm. they made it, it was like engineering or something. They made the choice. They were like, what am I going to do? And they were like, well, these guys pay the most, and they just chose that. And what an interesting what an interesting way to do that. It's funny that you're not the, you're two different generations, but yeah. same, same way to make a decision. And not even thinking about how miserable you're going to be. Well, yeah, and that's same thing with her. Because the money will take care of that. That's you what think, people think. think. Yeah. yeah. The money will take care of all right. of that. And there's like, there's a whole industry out there now of people working, right. Right. <laughs> working for big chain pharmacies yeah. and they're just making more money than they ever imagined, but they're working 12 hours a day with Ugh. no lunch. And it's not worth it. No. And I can't even imagine with COVID. Just oh, oh man. A nightmare that'd be. It's like the other day I was in CVS and a, uh, they're only selling four cans of Infamil per customer. Mm-hmm. And this, I was back there and this lady comes up to me and asked me if I would uh, buy buy, the, buy more cans of Infamil for for her and, and I was like, lady, you have found your guy. If I know how to do anything, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of pharmacy personnel. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> It's, gotcha. I got this damn pat. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, the poor pharmacist's gotta be the police for the for baby formula now. Hey man. Yeah, six Whatever. years of school for this. Yeah. <laughs> and unless he went to Clemson. <laughs> hey. <laughs> well, yeah, I feel the same way about Clemson. My son is in Clemson. Is he? Yeah. My oldest son is in Clemson now. He's going to be an architect. Oh, guess, but at least he's not managing manure pools. So. <laughs> I know. We we pick on him. Um, I'm proud of him, but at the end of the day, I don't really give a shit. You know, he's doing sure. something, but yeah. but it's like Clemson, really? Yeah, <laughs> like really? Kind of like the, the <laughs> lady I met and, and my wife. Now, when I met her, I thought she was Republican, and I liked her so much. I thought, well, 
could probably get through this. We get through it. Yeah, you know, she's really a nice person. She's <laughs> probably not, you know, got, not a, that bad. got a black heart. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I could do something. Yeah, but we can work with it. Well, let's let's keep talking about how how this stuff interferes with you being a pharmacist and running Rockefellers and you missing out on Oasis, which is kind of a travesty. But yeah, well, the uh, when when I got to when I got to college, well, no, it was actually you know when I started drinking in high school. The, mm-hmm. I've already I was in a band, and like first thing I ever did on my own was buy a stereo with my own money. I mean, it was like you yeah, know, and worked in the hardware store back home because that was who sold records back then. Oh wow! Yeah, they had rat jobbers come in once a week with all the new singles that were a dollar. Oh wow! And all the new albums and everything. And so even back then, and so um, you know, I got the uh, I got the uh, idea that well, maybe we could go to uh, Spartanburg and they'll sell us some beer down there. Mm, down there. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was. When we went down to um, Spartanburg the first time, I still remember being down there and, and on my birthday, and I uh, remember starting to drink, and it was like the gears actually meshed. It was like all yeah. those all those voices that hadn't been cured before, they went away, mm. and I could dance better than anybody else, and I was better looking, and just, you know, yeah. it was everything that I wanted out of life that for some reason nobody had passed down to me. Right. And so, you know, we kind of started a long-term relationship and then got to, got to college. And you got to remember, this is 1970, and so there wasn't even a Controlled Substance Act. Okay. I mean, if you got busted for amphetamines, it's like getting busted for having penicillin without oh. a prescription. Hmm. And so, um, yeah, and so it was everywhere. Wow. Even the straight guys. Uh, I had a roommate who was really straight. I won't say your name. Don't worry. <laughs> and... uh he used to just call them study aids, and in fact, right, he, right. he was just hooked on speed. Right. When he, if you looked at it from nowadays, yeah. And so it was that way across the board, and so it was just you know like a grocery store. Everybody was a garbage head. Yeah. Everybody's doing acid and mm-hmm. uh, taking the day off from school just to do that, and mm-hmm. it was not frowned on at all. It was more or less, oh, those kids nowadays. Right. It's crazy hippies. Yep. And so. Uh, one day, I had this guy come up to me, and uh, he said, you got to try this, and, you know, being the law-abiding citizen I am, I said, oh, no, son, I can't do that. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I said, what? I, I said, what is it? He said, morphine syrup. And I said, well, let's give it a shot. Yeah. And, man, I tried that stuff, and it was like I had found my lover. It was oh, like, boy. oh, my God, this stuff is great. And so... We had a relationship on and off for years and years, and then when I went to work at Blue Cross after this is as a pharmacy student, yeah, okay. Well, well, this was right after pharmacy school. Yeah. He was the pharmacy student. Okay, this is okay. after I had gotten out, and I didn't know opiates or anything as far mm-hmm. as trying them myself. And there's two classes of people with opiates. There's people that they just make sleepy and they don't like taking them, and then there's people that just get energized and want to go paint the house. Or in my case, write a column for free times. Got you. And so it was. Got you. It's what in the addict community they we call it a psychic energizer. Yeah, feeding the creative muse. Yeah, and we don't know for years, and, and nobody's ever figured out why right. there's that difference in personality with it. Hmm. And so I'd get away from that, but I'd just go back to alcohol. 
Yeah. Like a lot of people do, just switch addictions. And alcohol is tough. Yeah. And so that was basically after Rockefeller's, I was still at Blue Cross, and it just got tough. Mm. And uh, the alcohol was winning. And um, so, you know, when the alcohol starts winning, you got to do something. And by now, we're starting with a family and all that yeah, other yeah. kind of job. And, uh, you know, you're going to find something if you've never had anything else for a coping skill. And, you know, it's people always talk about alcohol and drug problems. Hell, alcohol and drugs were the solution. Right. That's <laughs> what it can look like. Yeah, absolutely. Like my coping skill. Right. And that was what I was saying about the late 90s is when it got to be the worst. And I said, you know, and it's opened up this whole door nowadays because I just all the time hear these bands. <laughs> get it's like, man, this is great. Where, where was I when this? So during COVID, oh. I just went down all those rabbit holes. Right, gotcha. So I'm up, I'm <laughs> up, up to date speed. On, on grunge, Britpop, right. and and progressive rock. Okay, I'm not sure you missed out on too much, but oh uh, well, it was if there's yeah. some good stuff in there. Well, yeah, there is, and. <laughs> Then um, I got educated by you on the uh, old old guy rap from back then. Oh, so right, 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 right. Yes. Even wore my NWA hat today. Yes. Just it's for good you. stuff. Yeah, I see the, the old White Sox there. Oh, I, yeah. I remember my kids taking off to go to Sumter to see Wu-Tang. Yeah. So it was about that time. Yeah, you've dug in the Wu-Tang before me, though. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't miss them. No. The good uh, shit. No kidding. Shaolin, maybe. Do you have, you, but you didn't have any shows like that at Rockefeller's? No. No. Didn't. Yeah. Um, and just figured that was somebody else's gig. And well, I think at the time it probably was. I don't know that, yeah, I don't know that it would mix that well. And I'm not sure. We, and like, you know, we absolutely would not have known what we were doing. Sure, sure. And so... That was one thing about our whoever was putting the axe in at that time. We knew what we were getting, and it was usually something that we liked. Right. They probably still are to the most part, but it's very two different, very two very different worlds. I think probably more more so in the commercial aspect of the booking and the um, album creation and stuff. Um, yeah, and it's funny because I, we we've got kids up in Nashville, and we were up there last week, and one of the bands that was playing one of the shows. Uh, Knew, knew uh, me and my wife through a guy and our son-in-law in another band. Wow! And he said, "You know, can you get us in the windjammer?" <laughs> he gets in the windjammer. <laughs> I was like, "Man alive!" Made, that, that made some neurons quiver. You get in the windjammer, and so yeah, he's making cold calls, right? Just like bands used to do, mm. and it's thirty, forty years later, and he's making thirty years later. He's making cold calls to. Places that have bands in South Carolina and they're in Nashville wow. and from Indiana. And so, you know, it's the same old thing, except once he calls, I can go over to the uh, internets right. and listen to him yeah. and see if it's something we might want to do. Right, much faster. Yep. And But it was funny to hear that bands are still making cold calls all this time later. They're reinventing themselves, I guess, be doing something different now. Yeah. So people, they're going to stand out by just calling people on the phone. Let's try this. Hey, you're talking to me on the phone? <laughs> sure, you're booked. What, what a weird concept. No kidding. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. What do you think? Um, I mean, you've been around, I mean, through Rockefellers and all these bands and now, and I know you're, you're big. I mean, you're always sending me stuff to listen to and stuff. And um, 
I mean, how, how have you navigated and what's your opinion of how music has changed? I mean, we now we have Spotify. I mean, I listen to everything on Spotify. I don't, I don't know the last time I purchased an actual album or listened to an album from start to finish. Really? I'm, you know, I know it's the, and I talk to other folks like this. I still buy CDs. I'm sorry. I've got my walker over here leaned against the wall. But when Spotify first started, it ate, and this was when I was working with you guys. Yeah. And Spotify ate every bit of music off my hard drive. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's oh, never, right. That's never going to happen again. And right. I'm sure it was something I probably did. But um, the, um, so I just, Bought CDs and yeah. it, there's the tactile thing to where you've got the liner notes, you got the credits. Oh, I miss it. Oh, I know. And, I, and so I still buy CDs and load them. I got the, I think I got the last model Dell that they still have a CD drive in it, mm-hmm. and still rip them mm-hmm. and uh, listen to. Of course, you, they won't go into the cloud that way. Right, they've got it blocked now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so <laughs> that's how I listen to most everything. And then I get a real resentment against bands who. Um, for one of my favorite bands now is uh, King Gizzard and the Wizard, Lizard Wizard. Yes, <laughs> King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard. And uh, their new album, they put it out on vinyl and put it out on CD. So if you're listening, mm. there's still some of us left. Well, I, I miss it. I miss. I, see, I'm old enough to remember records. Yep. Um, I had a record player. Um, have some records I collected and. I don't collect it, you know, I'm not like an audiophile, but I remember the CDs, I remember the cassettes, and you could open that book up, and they would put song lyrics in there, and then you could read about the band, and they had pictures, and like, you don't get any of that anymore. See who produced it. All kinds of shit. Like, that's one of the rabbit holes I went down, like, um, if you remember Todd Rundgren, I just, you know, one of those COVID uh, rabbit holes was... All the albums that he, I saw where he had produced a Cheap Trick album. I thought, that's interesting. Oh, wow. And so I went down that rabbit hole and found out this guy's produced it. I, wanna, I, I think I saw Cheap Trick at Rockefeller's. Really? I might be confusing things. I saw him at the old Coliseum opening for Robert. That's what it was. Opening yeah, for yeah. Robert Plant. Yeah, it was Coliseum, right? Yep. And uh, they've always been one of my favorites. And so I saw where Todd Rundgren had produced one of theirs, went down that rabbit hole and found out he produced every – I didn't realize he produced Stage Fright, my favorite oh, band, wow. the band. He had hit, produced that all the way till, you know, the – Yeah. It, and so you don't get that. And, and the smell of it, the smell like when you, you could smell those books. It yeah. smelled a certain way. Yeah, that you're talking about the tactile. The vinyl, yep, and the – remember the – Hell, even the CD books. Yeah. Some of them had a, a – and then they came up with the eco-pack. Um, <laughs> Digi-pack, yeah. Yeah, whatever, you know, with the big – it was like right. cardboard thing. And those were cool too. And then um, I I still wonder how people do it today because of uh, – remember albums used to have – if you had a double album, it opened up like yeah, that. And, right. And that used to be how you rolled a joint was you'd put pot in the <laughs> – <laughs> you put pot in the crease of the double album okay. and then clean it. I don't okay. know if kids nowadays have to clean pot anymore. Ah, but you'd sit there with probably the, buy it pre-cleaned with the papers and just you yeah. know clean it, let all the stems and seeds roll yeah. to the bottom. Yeah, yeah. And so I was asking somebody not long ago, I was like, "How in the world do you clean? How do, you do that now? How do you roll a joint nowadays?" And he said, oh, we don't have stems. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, is that it? Okay. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. It's it's been cleaned up in the lab. Oh, boy. Yeah. Aren't y'all great? <laughs> you, don't, you don't know what it was like. <laughs> Go vape in the corner, will you? <laughs> oh man. 
They're going to take the jewel away from you anyhow. That, yeah, that one. I don't understand that one. God. Especially. What, what are you doing? <laughs> Let's, I'm going to die on that hill. What? <laughs> I know. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> how did that even get invented? Like, how did it even make it to the. Well, I get it. Okay. It's addictive, but like. Yeah, but gross. still, it's the it's it's the rest of the stuff in the cigarette that kills you. And yeah, and people don't even realize like when I saw these shows, you could smoke in there. Yeah, <laughs> like it was yeah. like what? And I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. I, I'll probably die a secondhand. I was gonna smoke. say, I bet you have. Yeah, you probably <laughs> my smoke. My mother smoked a pack a night yeah. if you're in there. Exactly. And so my theory on why there's all this trouble. Around five, with all this trouble around five points and places like this in college towns is because no smoking mm. and it drove all the girls outside the bars, not mm. inside the bars. It drove them outside, like on uh, Harden Street in Five mm-hmm, Points. Mm-hmm. And if all the girls go outside, well, that's it, where to, guess what's going to happen? Y- yeah. All the boys are going to. Uh, well, be of course. And so the next thing you know, you got three thousand kids lining up and down Harden Street. And I'm sitting at home being wise, going, yeah. "Hey, yeah, here's your here's your reason, pal. <laughs> yeah, really. So <laughs> if, get him inside. <laughs> yeah, if you want to do that, just tell them they can smoke again, put them back inside. <laughs> it was it was like a couple of years ago. I was in um, Augusta. I was in a restaurant in Augusta, and it still had smoking in there. And really? It was like, oh, this is what it used to be like. This is gross. Yeah, rough man. Casinos in Vegas. Yep. It's rough. But we were in Nashville last week, and we were in a place called The Basement, and there's no smoking in there. And, mm. it, you know, it, it kind of dawns on you after you've been in bars listening to bands long enough. It's like, right. you know, gosh. That's really clean in here. And so my son was out in, was in the green room, so I decided I'd go back and see what was up back there and walked oh. in, and it's like there's smoking everything back yeah. there. And it's like, yeah. whoa. What is this? Man, it stinks <laughs> back here. But, that, but, you know, I could see why the, the vaping could be – at least it smells like – like cinnamon and whatever the hell they put in the air. Yeah. You know, it's opposed to but cigarette smoke. It's like we're going to die on that hill. We got a war raging in the Ukraine. And, yeah. and you know, we're going to, the far right's going to storm the Capitol, but we're getting rid of vaping. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the history. I mean, like, really? There's so many things we could be working on. This is the shit you guys are doing? Well, like cigarettes. We're gonna, All yeah. the poison that they put in cigarettes to even make them more addictive. And it's, it's like crazy. How do we get here? Jesus. I know. But, yeah, the, you know, we, got, we sure aren't going to outlaw cigarettes. I know. And how alcohol is not more of a controlled substance I don't than, than marijuana. Like, I don't understand. I've never understood that. I, I saw a bottle of vodka not long ago that said fat, 0% fat. Right. Which I thought was yeah, interesting. Right. It's like, oh, it's a health food drink. Yeah, it's <laughs> caffeine free. Oh, I, I guess I better say, just for a, a side note, that I've been in recovery for 23 years. So people won't think that, you right. know, right. you got Keith Richards sitting in here. <laughs> 23 years, man. That's a long time. That's a long time. But if it's a day at a time, it doesn't seem like it. Congrats. Thanks. Man, 23 years. Yeah, but I, you know, the only thing I miss is pot. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just want to get that feeling behind your eyes, yeah. just like, oh god, yeah. the day sucks. Yeah, I'm not in control of my own life. I'm just yeah. sitting here going, I wonder what's coming next. <laughs> and so, well, I mean, you need a break or anything? No, good. good. Um, 
So, you know, we've made it through COVID. <laughs> we have. Kind of, sort of. Um, and I know that, uh, you know, I've sort of graduated, I guess, a little bit. I'm, I'm involved in some groups where we're talking more to the, the people that own these firms instead of the, you know, web designers themselves and mm-hmm. doing this kind of stuff. And um, it's funny how I hear them you know, talking about some of their employees having problems, you know, drinking problems. Um, you know, we heard about it here through SoCo and stuff. People were stuck at home, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, and the, the drinking seemed to kind of bleed over into work hours and, and stuff like that. Um, I don't know where I'm going with it other than, like, it's a problem. <laughs> like, I mean, we made it through COVID, but, like, you, you get – and it seems like there's something new every day, right? It's mm-hmm. something – you know, we don't have Trump in office to entertain us, but like it's like something new every day. We we get through the news that we have to mentally deal with. Yep, and it, I think it's it's part of the. I mean, nobody was prepared for COVID, let alone. I mean, we proved that. Yeah, no and, shit. And so, uh, you know, during lockdown, what else are you going to do? Yeah. After you've watched every old movie on Turner Classic and, and grab some and. and Grab some fun juice and hang out. Yeah, I mean, just, you know. Put together a puzzle. Just drink. The next thing you know, you just drink it as a part of your job description. And I don't think anybody was ready for that because who's, who's going to lock down the economy? I mean, how could that possibly happen? And the next right. thing you know, this we're starting to come out of this thing, and, we you know, you're just going to have wreckage. You are. And, there, and not to be too far up on the high horse, but they've. They still don't put any money into uh, into treatment, right? Or, yeah, you're on your own. Or education. We still got a war on drugs. Yeah, but you know, yeah, I thought we'd surrendered on that a long time ago. I thought so too. My wife is director of the lawyers helping lawyers mm-hmm. over here at the South Carolina bar, and so she put on a uh, town hall not right before COVID. Okay. To, about the opiate epidemic. And, you know, had the usual suspects come in from um, treatment and from, you know, law enforcement. Mm. And it was really eye-opening when the guys from law enforcement got up there and started talking about interdiction and started talking about how much they were getting off the streets and stuff. And it was like I was sitting back in 1970. Yeah. It's like – you know, it's like You're not winning this it's fight. It's like listening to Nancy Reagan again. Just, <laughs> yeah. just say no. Just say no. And this guy gets up there, and I'm not going to say who it is because I don't even know if he's still in office. But, but um, it was not the sheriff's department. Don't get me wrong; I still need to live in Richland County. It was <laughs> nothing to do with the sheriff's department. You better not be driving around. That's a lovely online. Yeah. And so, um, this guy gets up there and he says, "And I got to make a side note here that." I have never known one person who used heroin who didn't start on marijuana. And I was like, oh, I sat back there going, Jesus, it's been 40 years since I heard anybody talk like that. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah. since they had open mics for the crowd, I was like, you know, I've never known anybody to use heroin who didn't breastfeed. And so, right? Maybe, right. maybe that's your gateway drug, hey, pal. Yeah. How far back are we going? <laughs> so, 
the blame in a lot of places yeah. is still on the user. Right. And the way that we're going to fix this is we're going to get rid of the drugs. And no. Yeah, that's a big, that's I mean, a big assignment. If, if you love America and you love capitalism, well, yeah, you know, yeah. it's still going to be there. Oh, well, yeah. So it's either edu- it's education and treatment. Dude, you don't need a business license or you don't need to pay taxes if you're selling drugs, man. No. I mean, penalties yep. might be a little higher, <laughs> but <laughs> maybe. Depends on, I guess, the color of your skin. But Yep. Well, what was it? I saw where the new commissioner of the Big 12 is, it used to be the COO at Rock Nation. I was like, now, isn't that interesting? Mm, fascinating. So, you know. Maybe you, it's getting better. You feel like it's loosening up some, though? Yeah. I mean, you, you've you seen it for a while. You feel like it's loosening up a little bit? A little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know where we go from here, though. Yeah. Because, like we said, it's new problems. It's problems we didn't foresee, and it's just going to take some. It's always. It's going to take new solutions. Right. The old solutions just don't work. Yeah, I and agree. The problem is, is nobody can get out there and say they don't work because. Right. You get vilified or. Uh, yep. They're going to tweet at you. Next thing you know, they're surrounding Disney World. And <laughs> what the hell is that about? I don't know that one. <laughs> poor, poor old Disney World. I know. What the hell? <laughs> just trying to sell the mouse? I know, just trying to sell a mouse. I Come wish, on. I, I wish I had a blow-up doll of John F. Kennedy Jr. just to put in the front so I could go to QAnon rallies and say, I got him, I got him. <laughs> it, it's a very strange place we live in now. Um, yeah, because <laughs> what used to be so it would just be deemed ridiculous, and we wouldn't pay any attention to it. Right now, it's got an audience, and it yeah, can, and it can get numbers because of the damn internet. Yep, I was telling my wife we were driving back from Nashville. I said, "Thank God the the arm the government discovered GPS, or we'd probably have to pay five dollars every time we missed a turn." If probably you, if you want to, right. If you want to know where you went wrong. <laughs> Deposit five more dollars. <laughs> so, Otherwise, stay lost. So, I, you know, you take yeah. the good with the bad since poor old internet. It's well, like Jesus. They get blamed for everything. That's right. <laughs> well, um, so what do you, I mean, would you say the internet ruined music or did it make music better? Well, I would have once, at one point I would have said that it ruined it just because it was a change. Yeah. And for a while there it did, but just because nobody knew what the new business model was going to be. Right. Well, it was free. It was free. <laughs> it was old. <laughs> if, you're, if you're around enough to remember Napster. Yeah. And uh, Which is, there's, there's good things that came from that, too. So I don't know how many um, yeah, I think a like lot of bootleg people. shows I got to listen to and things through Napster, you know, that was like, whoa, this is cool. And a lot of people got paid because of Napster, too, yeah, just yeah. because Napster was first, and so that was who you had to fight against for the right. artists to get paid. Right. And so I think music's in a better place today just because for the same reason you can find any conspiracy theory you want to on the Internet. You can find <laughs> any kind of music that you right. want to on the Internet. It, right. The only bad thing about it is just become fractionalized, and for somebody like me who wants to hear everything. Right, yeah, I want to hear the album. Yeah, yeah. I still listen to the college radio top ten every week if there's something different in there from the That's week cool. before just to see what it is. Right. Like, what are we listening to? And then I'll still, my kids will come home, Dad, have you heard this? And I'm like, no. Wow. And then it's really something that you'd really be interested in, but there's just so much. Right, right. 
And it, you know. Yeah. And so content-wise, I think it's a music, for music's sake, it's in a lot better place. Gotcha. But, you know, we'll see coming out of this, because, like, you know, what COVID did to live music, they seem to be coming out of it now. Right, right. We drove by Bonnaroo on our way home last week, and it's like they seem to be, you know, it's 107 degrees outside, and well, you can get a, a nice used car for a roll of toilet paper and a bottle of water. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems to be coming back. Right. I just don't know if it's if it's like during COVID, did it give all the big concert corporations a chance to regroup and figure out how they're going to screw us on down the road. I'm sure. I'm they, sure. They had to do something for two years while they wouldn't yeah. work booking act. Right. And so, you know, hmm. that change may be yet to come. We'll see. Well, man, thank you. Um, it was a great talk. We, we have to do some more because it was cool. Sure. I like I like your opinions on a lot of things. Um, where can people find you if they want to find you? Because you, you do a great text and an email newsletter, if I'm not mistaken. You still doing that? Yeah, well, the the platform for the newsletter went away. But if okay. you want to, it's uh, Five Points Productions. It's the Facebook thing. And it's five, the number five PTS Productions. Cool. Is the Facebook place. And um, since I was early on Gmail, it's still Scott Badgett at Gmail. Gotcha. If you got anything you, that, you know, if, if you want to play the Windjammer, <laughs> you, don't have, You're to, looking for those you don't have to call Bobby down at the Windjammer. <laughs> call, call. I'll forward it to him. He got your Windjammer book here. But yeah, and then uh, Twitter is at Anti Bon Iver Anti- or, or Bonnie Vare. <laughs> Which I always love that. <laughs> well, it was at your uh, yeah. conference. Yeah. And Tracy runs up and says, What's your Twitter um, handle? And I'm like, I'm not on Twitter. And she said, well, you got to be because I'm putting up there what your Twitter handle is. And so I came up with uh, Tom York's Lazy Eye, which <laughs> which she didn't like no, right. for some reason. <laughs> and so, well, who's, who else do I not like? Oh, I don't, can't stand Bonnie Bear, <laughs> the pretentiousness of the you name. You don't like Radiohead. I love Radiohead. Okay. Oh, I'm saw- a convert. Okay. I saw Radiohead at Bonnaroo, and up until that point, I right. thought they were just a pretentious bunch of snobs. I, I think you're right. but And then I saw them at Bonnaroo, and it was like, you know, it was literally one of those minutes when you're like, this is the greatest thing okay. I've ever heard in my life. I've, I've done that. Yep. And so <laughs> that's only happened about four times in my life, but God bless them, Radiohead was one. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks, Five Points Productions, y'all. Yeah. Thanks, Scott. Thanks. Good to, good to be here.